the upcoming presentation is a two-man power trip of wrestling podcast production. All right, let's get it going right here, right now. This is New Generation Declassified, and you're listening to an all-new New Generation Declassified here exclusively on the two-man power trip of wrestling's podcasting empire. If you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and every single week I'm coming to you live from the Mike Durban School of Audio Imperfections as I sit here looking across the, uh, the, the StreamYard screen at my lovely friend over in Ireland, our guest today, uh, the one and only Husey, I am micless because my microphone, after five years, has decided to go off to another land and retire. So I am here with my Apple headset talking to this guy, Mr. Husey. Yeah, uh, Durband, of course, the guy that loves audio so much that he was named after it. Uh, also, <laughs> I've got to confess that on my end, what we're going through right now, it's July in Ireland. It's not sunny, but it's warm. So I've had to leave the window open. We don't have air cons here because there's no need for them, really. So the audio on this is going to be bad. So Durban will be sending uh, screenshots to uh, Dean. <laughs> Look, I just apologize in advance. You know, it's uh, it was a shock. I tried to plug in my stupid mic and it said, because uh, I, I have a very basic setup because I don't need to have anything super fancy for what I do. And it said USB, too much power going to the source. And all it says is, is that basically you're fucked. So <laughs> I, I <laughs> think that I've heard that Durband uh, loves audio so much that there's actually footage of him online having sex with some headphones. <laughs> yeah. Hey, did you know that uh, big, dumb, fat Republicans don't understand what an NDA is? I I wasn't aware of that. Can you elaborate yeah. more? Yeah, I, I was just thinking about this. Uh, uh, Rad Rob, uh, he's against women getting abortions, but he's also uh, has a problem, I'm sure, with what Muslims think of how they treat women. And it's like, well, you're halfway there, so what's the fucking problem? <laughs> okay, that's a great start to uh, a topic we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Uh, speaking of women being abused. <laughs> Speaking of NDAs and speaking of women being the prime subject, uh, just so happened, you know, I, I had been trying to figure out how to relate a story to Vince McMahon for New Generation Declassified for the last couple of weeks because he had an interesting new generation himself during that era. Uh, but you were the golden god at that moment, and you dropped in my inbox uh, an interview I remember watching at the time and had seen it fairly recently, but not like immediately, you know, in the last couple of months. Uh, an awesome, awesome topic on sports featuring Vince McMahon. Now, before we get into Czech Copic and all his great wrestling history, uh, what did you think about this interview when you first found it? Uh, I absolutely loved it. The, the problem with Vince McMahon is that he's very, very rarely out of promotion mode. Uh, this this may be the, the one Vince McMahon interview you will see where he's not actually promoting an event or a pay-per-view where he's just being interviewed. Uh, what I love the most about it, though, is that he is the cockiest fucking Vince ever. <laughs> like, literally, his head is wobbling. He's like, well, listen, when the DA came to me, pal, 
it, it reminds me of when you ever get into an argument with your girl and the dumb bitch almost gets you arrested in Dublin because she started a fight. And then the day after she realizes, you know what? I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have done that. I got out of hand. It's like, yes, because I fucking told you so. So now this week belongs to the H-Man. Not that I'm basing this on something that happened in May. All good stories come from real life, don't they? They all have some sort of realism in them. Uh, but he was. He was on top of the world because he just beat the justice system. And this interview, kind of like, you know, remember he did that interview with Pat McAfee like, you know, four or five months ago, right before WrestleMania. And everybody's like, oh, my God, this is the greatest interview Vince McMahon's ever done. Oh, he's so this, he's so that. I, being the old man that I am, that has seen every Vince McMahon interview that's come down the pike in the last 30-something years, go back to this one. Because, no, that Vince McMahon we saw in March or February, whenever it was, that was the neutered old man Vince McMahon. This was the cocky, I got my stroke Vince McMahon, and he just beat the justice system. And he basically kind of like laid it all out there as it related to every topic under the sun. Now, do you remember a few months ago I did a show about the shoot? Were you on it? I don't even remember. No, no, it was Durban who was on it. The shoot interview with WWF Radio by the Macho Man. Uh, yes, I did, and for some reason you didn't insert any clips from it, you bastard. <laughs> oh, gee, I wonder why. Not like it's uh, lost media and we can't find it anywhere. Uh, but there was a big kind of push to bury Hulk Hogan in that interview, and I felt like there was also a big push to bury Hulk Hogan in this interview, and it kind of syncs up timeline-wise because this is 1994, but it's not a, not exactly on that same macho man, you know, uh, what do you call, uh, uh, timeline. But there was a lot of hate towards the Hulkster here. Again, we'll cover it in a minute. But what do you think about Chet Kopic, the, uh, the interviewer who was uh, hosting this show? Uh, he seemed all right. He was definitely kind of a fanboy. Yeah. Where uh, like he could have gone a little harder and asked a few stiffer questions. But at the same time... Like, I get it, but it's also weird because uh, was this a big show? So it was originally a regional show based out of Chicago, Copic on Sports. Uh, Chet Copic has a long and illustrious broadcasting career in, in the Midwest. But Copic on Sports, and this is how I got it, got syndicated around the mid-90s onto regional sports networks. So where I would have seen it, I believe, was either on MSG in New York, or uh, we called it Sports Channel in New York. One of those had Copic on Sports. That's how I got to see these. But he was a, just a sports broadcaster. He covered, you know, everything under the sun, baseball, basketball. But he was also involved in wrestling and was the ring announcer for the WWF when they went to Chicago, most famously at WrestleMania two, as the ring announcer for the Chicago portion of the WrestleMania broadcast. Uh, WrestleMania 2, of course, is when Mike Durban celebrated his 67th birthday. <laughs> he did, right after the British Bulldogs won the uh, the straps. You saw a little yeah. Durban. <laughs> Where he he uh, tagged up with a microphone to take on uh, Briefcake and uh, Brutus the Valentine guy. What's Brut his name? Yeah, uh, Brutus Valentine. No, uh, Greg Valentine. <laughs> oh, yeah, by the way, how's your... Uh, How's your sinuses and chest feeling? Feeling very good. I feel great. <laughs> Sound as a pound. A, I had a, a health scare there earlier in the month where 
uh, I my voice had gone so hoarse to the point that I was literally I was talking like oh no for for weeks. That's why this is the first recording I've done since we recorded our Metallica episode. Really? Wow. Uh, yeah, and because I'd lost my voice, but it turns out that it wasn't any type of infection. It was uh, exhaustion. Because uh, because we're we're officially hundred percent back to open. There's the cinemas are full of capacity. There's music festival season has been going on. So uh, I've been going to a lot of stuff. So I've had to go to this, go to that, go to that. Not a whole lot of sleep. So it all caught up uh, with me. And it, uh, so now I, I'm making a point of going to bed early and uh, jerking my gherkin in bed. That'll help you go to sleep. I mean, for sure. But good for you. Oh, I'm yeah. glad. Excuse me. I'm glad you're on the mend. Um, but the great thing about being in bed is when I get to watch content like this Vince McMahon interview. Yeah, exactly. That. What else can help you go to sleep more than cocky uh, Vince McMahon? But I, I'm not done talking about Chet Kopic. So please let me continue my reign. First of all, his name is Chet, and that couldn't be any better of a broadcasting name for like a you know blonde-haired. Big burly dude. He's a big guy. He is not a small little uh, runty broadcaster, and that's why when he stands in the ring at WrestleMania two, he's freaking huge. And he's not. He's no short fella. But he was ring announcer at WrestleMania two. He did house shows here and there. Uh, he also promoted shows in the area, so he did have his hand around wrestling. So he was no stranger to Vince, which I found interesting. As he said, "Oh, I I hear stories about you through other people." Probably because of Vern Gagne, because he was close with Vern Gagne, you know, Dick the Bruiser, Baron Varashki. But this guy was in the backstage area. He was around Vince. He knew exactly what he was talking about. I, I'd like to book a dream match of Dick the Bruiser versus Jeff Gaylord. <laughs> I was actually waiting for the first Jeff Gaylord uh, reference on the show as I used a recycled episode of us uh, well, last week. And that was the Jeff Gaylord <laughs> extravaganza. Uh, with guest referee, basketball star Dick Butkus. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're such a uh, you're such a trip. I'm glad your vocal cords are feeling better. So I'm glad you're oh, uh, yeah. up to full strength. Uh, all right. So on this interview, uh, basically Vince McMahon is is acquitted of all charges. He beats the uh, the federal government of steroid distribution. Uh, Hulk Hogan does come to his defense and say that he did not encourage him to take steroids and distribute it to the boys. But there were others that did go out and say that he did indeed distribute steroids to the boys, namely a Billy Graham. I think even Rick Rude might have testified and said that he uh, encouraged them to use uh, steroids. But this was around the time where the new generation started to become what it's famously known for. Doink the Clown, Bastion Booger, you know, the, uh, the, the, the monk, the friar guy, uh, all the, 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 the king's court, the little uh, king, Jerry Lawler midgets. This is when it started to turn, but Vince McMahon was very distracted. But in this interview, Vince McMahon kind of loves on Doink a little bit. What are your thoughts? <laughs> I fucking love Doink the Clown. I think, uh, of course, I'm a big, uh, well, not a big, I've become a gamer over the past year. In WWE 2K22, Evil Doink has just been added to the game as a DLC character. He's amazing. One of his <laughs> one of his moves is right. 
uh, another doink comes out and hits your opponent with a fake arm. That's great. <laughs> yeah, and, and it's great how it's and it's heel evil doink and how the music changes. It's just the fucking I I love the heel doink and we need to do a, a doink cast. We can do a doink cast. I've done it before. I've done heel and face, but we could revisit uh, both sides. Now I got sent that by somebody. I don't know if it was you, but somebody sent it to me over the weekend, and I did watch it. And whoever's programming these games grew up in our era, and they know exactly what to put in. It was awesome, down to the scowl of yeah. Matt Bourne. It was unbelievable how good they did that. Yeah, no, that that, that game is for us. Uh, Evil Doink, of course, uh, go back, check out the WrestleMania 9 uh, episode that uh, Chad and I did. He was he was supposed to have been a much bigger deal, but what, what was that, uh, that wrestler, Matt Bourne? Matt Bourne, yeah, got fired. Yeah, he, he sounded like a nightmare to deal with, which is a shame because... Yeah. There's some fucking great, like Doink versus Brett. Great match. That's, that's a great match at uh, SummerSlam. Uh, mm -hmm. Doink was great. But the weird thing is, uh, in 94, uh, Doink had started off in 93 as like an evil clown. But uh, in 94, especially around this time, he's just a baby face. So he's just, he actually is a clown. He's a clown. Uh, With his mascot that Vince puts over, Dink, that he loves. Doink and Dink is a duo. Yeah. Dink, Doink, Pink, and Stink. It's just, a, it, and that to me, like, looking back at this time, like, the fact that they got any kind of mention on, a, on an episode of an interview with Vince McMahon is crazy because that's what they were pushing for the kids. And they were talking about marketing and all the money they make and this and that. But when you peel the onions back a little bit on the interview... Vince is a little, uh, I would say, would you say a little, little terse towards Hulk Hogan? Uh, I thought he was a big part of being, anytime they mentioned WCW or Hulk Hogan is when he really kind of went into attack mode. He called WCW minor league, a minor annoyance, and that he was shocked Hulk Hogan went to WCW because he had vowed to him that he would never go to the competition. Yeah, there's a lot of the YouTube comments and that sort of stuff, but the thing is, is that, after the, Hogan joined what at, at summer ninety four, yeah, summer night, summer ninety four. Yep, he'd really been uh, helped. He had helped WCW really bump up their like buy rates and viewing figures, yeah. so that they were starting to become competition. And I think that, and this was at ninety four, wasn't really a great time for WWE. So I think Vince was starting to shit them, right. So, starting to finally say that minor annoyance was starting to creep in and become a bigger probably problem, not a, not annoyance anymore. Yeah, and of course, but I did find it weird that Brad Hart, who was the champ at the time, wasn't mentioned in the interview. And uh, the ironic thing is, of course, if you watch wrestling today, the majority of the top guys are all at the age that Hogan was back then. Right. How's your lungs? Very good. Very good. Oh. Trying to get my thoughts together, actually. Um, when he referenced Hulk Hogan, um, and he had basically said he was happy at that point he had admitted to using steroids, were you surprised at that being that everybody said Vince was pissed when Hulk Hogan said he took steroids on the Arsenio Hall show? <laughs> well, I, I did like the fact that, Hogan, that, that Vince pointed out the fact that 
uh, Hulk, despite the fact that he's a giant person, was really never in like stunning shape. In fact, right. Hulk Hogan uh, was never really ripped until uh, when was Hulk versus The Rock? That was that was that was 2002. But no, in the WCW era, he got a lot more chiseled than he mm. probably was in in the past. But I thought that was. I thought that was real kind of odd for Vince to call him out in the way he did. Because if you go back on the commentary in the 80s, I mean, Vince is basically, uh, you know, losing it all over himself. Looking at, oh, look at the Hulkster's physique. Look at the Hulkster's body. He was, yeah, Hogan was never chiseled like he was later on. But he was no, like, big, fat, like, you know, uh, goop rolling around the ring. He was he was the Hulkster. Yeah, I thought you were talking about Yokozuna there. <laughs> But, but yeah, thankfully I misheard. How's your lungs? Uh, that's good. I, maybe it was. Maybe it was a glitch in my uh, my connection here. <laughs> uh, he also talked about no holds barred, referencing Hogan, um, referencing it being a successful film. I think that was my might have been the most exaggerated comment. <laughs> I, I've got to say though, because I remember. Uh, Pritchard saying that while it wasn't a huge box office draw, it actually made a fortune on uh, a video, right? Yeah, and as back when videos were like what twenty five dollars or whatever. Oh my, more than that? No way, thirty nine ninety five. You didn't even see them. You had to rent them, and if you got it in a store, it was like you were paying uh, an arm and a leg. But it was funny today. I saw there's a no holds barred action figure set that's coming out that comes in a VHS style box for Zeus and Rip. The greatest part of that film, I'll never forget it as a kid where Hulk was sharing the room with the whore and (laughs) she woke up and he was working out and for some reason she thought his fate was his arse. Yeah, that was so weird. (laughs) Yeah, it's like, how big do you think his arse is, you stupid woman? Didn't sound like he was working out though, if you were were going to Take my bet. I, I didn't think he was working out, if you know what I mean. I, I, I just love to be in the room, and Vincent Hogan wrote that script. I've got a great idea, Hulk or Carrie. <laughs> what about she wakes up and your ass is in the air? <laughs> or he saw, he's like, you know, your feet together look like an ass. Yeah. Let's get that in the film. Apparently, I, I had heard that they smoked a lot of pot while they were, uh, they were doing that. You couldn't tell at the finished product. <laughs> yeah, well, well, you would need to smoke a lot of pot after doing all that cocaine. That's a damn good point. That's a damn good point. You might have to call Hunter Biden uh, into this one and that, get, it, get his that's two like, cents. That's like that uh, old Rodney Dangerfield joke where he's like, hey, I, I don't know what I'm doing. I was smoking pot this morning. I shouldn't have. I'm not. Oh, fuck it. It doesn't matter. Anyway. So, Check Topic, I think, does a good job of kind of you know, getting Vince to not open up, but give a little more about the WWF than we had ever heard at that point. And that's why I remember this interview so well. And Vince would come back on a few times. This isn't his first appearance on, or his last appearance on Check Copics, Copic on Sports. But, you know, he kind of exposes stuff to Vince that I thought was pretty good. Like the fact that Percy Pringle is now Paul Bearer. How do you come up with that? And Vince did not... He kind of sidestepped it and gave a generic answer. But I don't think in 94 anybody else is asking Vince McMahon, how do you take a character we know from another promotion and turn him into somebody else? Yeah, plus, was it not a Hawk from Legion of Doom who came up with that? 
it, uh, Hawk is credited with coming up with the name Paul Bearer. Now, Vince didn't take credit for it, but he just had to basically say, when you're in the WWF system, you know, we come up with blah, 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 blah. Gave a very PR answer that we know now. But in 94, if you're just a kid who's heard Percy Pringle or had a magazine that said Percy Pringle, if you didn't know he was Paul Bearer, that's the way you found out. Uh, One of my favorite parts of this episode was uh, when the guy... (laughs) And the guy asks Vince about The Undertaker, and Vince's response is, The Undertaker? <laughs> you know, it's like, what's so shocking about that? But he also alluded to the fact that, like, The Undertaker wasn't a dead guy. You know, like, he, they, there was a little bit of that peeling back the curtain that wasn't seen in 94. You know, like, like what did he say? Like, yeah. Something like uh, we, you know, are we supposed to believe the Undertaker has magical powers or something like that? Yeah, but that is uh, sadly the problem is today we have uh, people that still don't get it, and that that's why wrestling's dead. That's why it's doomed. That's why I hate one on the fucking bald big chin cunt, fucking idiots who subscribe to that Patreon. That just cannot tell the difference that it's a fucking TV show. <laughs> Jersey Regan cunt. That's ridiculous. Is that are we talking the writer? Is this the writer? Yeah, uh, Juan Tarantino. Yeah, the, the writer who went to writing school, who also went to wrestling school, who also went to comedy school. Yeah. This one, that's the writer. <laughs> did you know that he trained to took bumps back in 2002? I did not. I know he wore a leather jacket. Yeah, he had a pizza. He sees uh, <laughs> got Italian heritage. That's that's probably why where the pizza came from. You ever had a pizza? <laughs> I have. I was actually had one in Jersey the other day. Yeah, were any reekins there? I did not notice a reekin. The only thing reekin in New Jersey was the smell, but that's uh... yeah. The only reekin thing that's happening from him is those fucking scripts he sends into the show. The stupid cunt. <laughs> Looks like Conan had sex with fucking Tyson Fury. <laughs> I yeah, I, I got nothing on that one. The, the, it's if he's the illegitimate child of Conan, that's the only reason why those scripts are getting through. Because otherwise, <laughs> it's gotta be. But anyway, uh... anyway, anyway. Hey, question for you: What'd you think of Bob from Florida? Is that the the, the light heavyweight champion guy? So, so Bob from Florida, the first caller that's allowed to get through on the <laughs> airwaves because they take calls on Comic Con Sports. Uh, says to Vince, do you, you know, do you know who I am? Vince is like, I have no idea who you are, pal. And he, he, he goes on to say that he has the WWF's light heavyweight championship belt. <laughs> and Vince just, doesn't give a crap. <laughs> you got what, pal? <laughs> we don't have a light heavyweight championship. Now, this is probably a guy, and, and I've heard this in circles, you know, oh, Vince is pissed, or Vince is mad at you, or Vince is this, or Vince is that. That probably at a pawn shop got the light heavyweight championship because whoever it was, you know, had to get a couple of bucks and needed uh, to get rid of it. And then heard Vince McMahon was mad that he had the belt. This guy tried to get on Vince's uh, bad side and Vince literally couldn't give a less of a shit. And they cut the guy off. (laughs) His his surname is probably Abui. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was so stupid. But that's the first caller they let through because they have callers. Um, a couple of the other callers weren't bad if you put them on the wrestling scale of callers that call in the shows. 
one guy asking about fan fests and how the WrestleMania uh, 10 fan fest was pretty good, and they wanted to have another one, so he confirmed that they would have it at, you also, spoiler alert, give away the location of WrestleMania 11 in Hartford, Connecticut. Mm. But there was another guy who had asked about, uh, oh, what was it? Um, you remember, there was another, it was a really good question about, uh, was it the creative? There was some, oh, damn, I can't remember. There was one other really good caller. I can't remember now. Damn it. Come on, help me out. You remember it? <laughs> uh, I, well, I remember there was another call, so we can agree on that. Yes. I, th- I think it was Tony Khan. He's like, how the fuck do you burn Chris Jericho? And he's like, oh, pal. <laughs> uh, I did love how he introed people, you know, uh, Chet Kopic being very uh, old school and his broadcasting to say, you know, you have the floor. It's your time. Take your minute. You know, like he had really cool little intros to say because, you know, these guys are classics. These are the ones that since he died, he passed away a few years ago. They ain't coming back and mm-hmm. nobody can do it like how they did it. Uh, damn it. I wish I could remember that that one call because it was gr- it, it was something about the creative process. And then that led to Chet asking Vince about. Is he the final say? Is he the guy that does all the decision-making? And Vince said, no, it's a team. You know, it's a bunch of people. But at that point, no, it was just him. Pritchard had a say. I mean, Pritchard might have been gone at that point, but Patterson was still there. And it was the brain trust that we still kind of see in place to an extent that, you know, was covering for this guy's paying $12 million uh, in hush money. Bottom right, Patterson. Wonder exactly. He, exactly. Wonder uh, did he hire uh, Jeff Gaylord? I heard a story about Mr. Patterson very recently that I cannot repeat on the air. That you know this kind of stuff starts getting out there. Uh, it's just it's to me remarkable that everyone has skated so long with all the stuff that's been talked about for years on shoot interviews and in newsletters and and bandied about in circles. It's shocking. Oh, God. well, uh, yes, uh, and if, just as a quick cheap plug, if anyone wants to check out Huge Entertainment on YouTube, there's a video clip that I had from an interview with the lovely Francine from way, it was like January 2021, and I interviewed her, and in the past, like, fucking three weeks, it's it's got over 70,000 views, and it's uh, Francine being, uh, talking about basically being harassed by Vince backstage, and uh, the it's the views are growing, and uh, so was my penis when I was talking to her. So Vince was and, right, and so is her social media. It's been growing like crazy uh, over the last couple of days because there's people that are finally catching on. It's like with the Ric Flair thing from last year, when the news got out about the plane ride from hell. Nobody involved with wrestling was shocked. Everybody yeah. who's consuming it from the outside was like, "This is terrible." But you know what? Everybody got over it, and all they're doing is talking about this guy getting in the ring in uh, two weeks, uh, possibly uh, committing uh, uh, self-induced suicide in front of a crowd of people. So, uh, you know, this is is stuff that's been around the wrestling world. This is not a shock, but this Vince McMahon, again, cocky as the day is long. Uh, This guy couldn't be touched. You could have brought $12 million in hush money suits in front of him. He wouldn't have cared. Yeah, Vince, Vince, because basically he's a hundred percent off the case. Like, uh, he cannot be getting trouble for this ever again. He can't be tried again. So it's just him basically saying, "I'm untouchable." We're going into Christmas stress free. 
We're about to book the dream match of Tonka and Sid versus Bam Bam and Diesel. <laughs> the business will be bigger than ever. He was only about a year away from uh, from that very uh, illustrious booking decision. Um, could have redefined his career had it gone another way. But I uh, I can't say enough about King of the Ring 1995. That's the one we have to do the watch along on. Is the main event of King of the Ring 1995. Your favorite um, of all time. It's the, it's the greatest time to be a fan. But with, with Vince, uh, do you think that if he started doing more real interviews like this, it would have helped? Or do you think that he simply uh, doesn't know how to be real? Uh, the reason why I ask is um, at the minute, it's it's the time, it's 2022, so it's the 60th anniversary of the Rolling Stones. And on the BBC, they've been showing documentaries about uh, each member over the past four nights. <coughs> And it showed a clip of when Ronnie Wood and Rod Stewart were on like some daytime talk show during the 90s. And they started randomly playing a song on acoustic guitar. And they're so used to doing the stage moves that they can't even just sing. They have to like be spinning around and kicking feet up <laughs> while playing into an empty room. So, right. But th th what I'm saying is, do you think that Vince doesn't know how to actually speak to people or do you think he's always going to be promotional man i don't know that's a good question because whenever i've seen him in these interviews he always has that same kind of robotic swagger to him in those smaller settings when he's around people i'm sure he commands the room but i don't think so i don't know how what's it like to have vince mcmahon as your grandfather you know what's it like to have vince mcmahon as you know, your clients. I don't know if he can have a regular kind of interaction with anybody. So an interview, I think, is completely out of the question. I think this is the probably the realest you were going to get him. If you go back, there's an appearance he did on David Letterman in like 1988 or 1989, and he's awkward as hell. Yeah, he's, he's giving him nothing, and he's like sort of sitting at an angle and – and he's like, he's acting tough guy. He's like, well, I want to one day win an Academy Award, pal. Yeah, it's awkward. It's not anything to be, like, impressed with, especially during that time when they were printing money in 1988 and 1989. But this, I'm trying to think if there's anything really in between. I mean, when he's on the Donahue show in, this, uh, in the Ring Boy scandal, that, to me, was my favorite Vince McMahon appearance ever because – He's just going at people left and right. And it's basically a whole panel versus him. And he didn't back down. So I love him in that, albeit a terrible situation. Yeah. But where's the ring boy stuff now? How come that's dead? How is that not back and in the public eye after all this time? Well, uh, not to get, you know, my rad Rob horse, but I think we're, 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 you're not allowed to call out gay people. Ah. Uh. And I, I honestly think it's got to that stage where it's okay. Well, not that it's okay, but they're, they're just after the straight perverts, not the gay ones. That was, I mean, that's pretty bad accusations crossing state lines with minors. And it's a pretty, it wasn't just about being gay. It was about literally the fact that they were trafficking children with the uh, hopes of those children being around the wrestling ring and, you know, being around the wrestlers. And yeah. that's uh, it, it's crazy how that's what he was on the Donahue show for is the the ring boy and the you know the the executive scandals. 
that kind of just went right into the steroid scandals that went into the other video that I sent you to watch. The very odd, and I've talked about this before, the very odd, out-of-character, six-minute segment on a 1995 edition of Superstars where Vince goes at the New York Post and Phil Mushnick and all the haters, essentially, that were still going after him and his attorneys, even though they were acquitted. Did you think that was a little oddly placed for a Saturday morning wrestling show? Yeah, he's talking about his haters there, man. <laughs> uh, I think that uh, I, I, and that was what that was in 1995. That happened. That right? was the following year. That was November '95. Right. So it's a year later, and Vince is still uh, talking about that sort of stuff. It is kind of weird, and he and he's way more uh, intense. Yeah. Because I because I think that I think that maybe deep down Vince thought. Once we get past this trial, WWE will get back on track. But it wasn't until sort of later 96, uh, right. mid-97, before they really took a really positive business turn. Right. So I think that Vince was, was starting to realize this is not working out. Whose fault is it? Because it can't be mine for pushing fucking uh, TL Hopper. Yeah, that's a damn good point. And that's basically where... You had your, you know, your T.L. Hopper, Freddie Joe Floyd, the Dean. You know, you had these these characters that were going nowhere, and you had this upper card of guys that would literally be like, "Screw this, and we're getting out of here." And they turned the competition into the greatest thing since sliced bread. Less than eight months later, so it's uh, you know, there, man. Uh, when you think about it, there, man. Scott Hall was the greatest wrestler. To never hold the WWF <laughs> title, there, man. Let me guess, is he underrated, there, man? <laughs> Completely underrated, there, man. Hot takes and cheap pops. I think that there should be a YouTube video made of guys that should have held the world title, but not done with any kind of creativity. Just take clips from other people's channels and smash them into one thing and then post it. I think he should do that with keeping 100 content so that I can <laughs> flag him and shut that flag it down. And I said, flag it. <laughs> um, you know, I got to tell you all the times that you've been on this show. I mean, I haven't had the opportunity to offer you the co-hosting uh, job as of late. So you got to just wait a little bit longer before I start to beg you to become the co-host of new generation declassified. So I just want to let you know that before we, uh, we continue and move, <laughs> move on to the wrap. <laughs> are you, are you busy? You need any more hosting gigs in your, uh, your repertoire? Oh yeah. Well, it was that one episode that I recorded a month ago. Uh, I, I gave a little bit of uh, behind the scenes news, which uh, speaking of co-host, you might be interested in this one. Sure. Talking to High Pitch Eric. Oh. About a possible interview. So uh, that could be a, a bit of fun, if, if at all. If it ever comes to pass, if you ever actually get this person sat down and uh, and in the chair, that would be fascinating. Yeah, get him to bash that big nose, you know what? Not that there's anything wrong with it. Now, is he in the fold at all? Because I, I haven't listened since the COVID era because I couldn't, I couldn't stomach Stern anymore. But what – is Lungit. he still involved? Yeah. Is he still involved at all? Uh, I have no idea. Do any, do any relevant thing about Stern that I've heard is that 
he pretended that he was going to play Doctor Doom in the in the Fantastic Four, and it's like, shut up, shut up, you fucking old hack, you embarrassing old cunt. Hey, I'm going to be president. Like, Wait, Stern you? said he was going to play Doctor Doom. Yeah, he says he's been cast to play Doctor Doom. Oh my and I god! Said, hey, uh, you couldn't even play Doctor Fitty Boom Butts. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Just because of that ridiculous news, you have to say something nice about Opie before we go. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you something about Opie that uh, recently he's he's definitely become more aware of the benefits of YouTube, and his numbers are doing great, and it's driving people insane. That's great. He's had some banger clips lately. He's had some pretty good uh, little snippets that I've been seeing. Somebody must be uh, getting in there and helping him out. It's a huge thing. And there you go. That's uh, very well said uh, by his Irish brethren there. All right. Uh, we're going to get ready to say goodbye. Where can they uh, they find you? And when is uh, everybody going to hear about our Metallica swing? Uh, Husey Entertainment on YouTube is the place to find the infamous uh, Francine clip. Also, pretty much all of those Francine clips are getting pretty great numbers uh, recently. Thank God for that. Uh, your pro wrestling fan, check out Keep Them 100 Official on YouTube. Uh, that's the rapidly growing uh, YouTube channel for the Conan Disco Podcast. It's hopefully approaching, uh, hopefully passing 28 million views uh, within the next two days. Uh, it, it is the shithole for the dumbest fucking fans ever. The Keep No 100 fan base is terrifying. You people are fucking weirdos. You're so dumb. You have nothing else going on. And I'm convinced that you uh, are in those comment sections because it's your only form of social interaction. <laughs> and I'm very grateful for it, by the way. Uh, I'm at the Husey on Twitter, at the Husey on Instagram. And speaking of Metallica, who get on a, on a resurgence thanks to Stranger Things, which annoyed the fuck out of me. Uh, <laughs> the Chadster will be on for a Metallica special, which I haven't been, even been able to record an intro for because, I, as I mentioned earlier, I lost my voice for weeks. But that will be recorded tomorrow slash Thursday for a hopeful weekend release. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Been talking about it everywhere I go. <laughs> Telling people, get ready for their... Uh... World to be rocked. Uh, you didn't like that Stranger Things gave Metallica a little uh, little new life there? <laughs> uh, I, I wouldn't have minded it if it was a more obscure song, but when it's Master of Puppets, if you haven't heard that song before, then you're a dumb cunt and you don't deserve to hear it. Tap down on the Stranger Things after the first one. It was good, but I don't know how people make this like a phenomenon. It's It's not that good. Yeah. But of course, uh, Durband is, is going to have nuclear heat with this our episode. Like, uh, we'll not spoil any of the song picks, but I can already tell he's going to be furious. He's like, what are you doing, man? You should, <laughs> you should have gone for the earlier albums, man. Sorry, I'm all about the '90s, so we'll we'll uh, leave it at that. Uh, I appreciate you coming on again. Uh, the uh, the de facto co-host, even though there is no search for one, nor do I want <laughs> one. But you're it. So uh, I'll start bothering you in the DMs about it soon, uh, for sure. Uh, if you want to follow me, it's at Chad B on Twitter. It's at IBExclusives on Instagram. My website is IBExclusives.com. The T-shirts you can get are at BelowTheCollar.com slash IBExclusives. Get yourself a Chadster shirt. I know there's one over there in Ireland uh, floating around. And oh, yeah. uh, the, 
the IB Exclusives logo T-shirt. You can wear it to Disney World like I did just to get myself a little self-promotion. But it's all, uh, it's all good. And I have two perfectly rated shirts left. If you're an extra large or a, a, a medium, which I doubt anybody listening to it is no. medium. <laughs> <laughs> I might be sitting on that one for a while. You know, I have to say, I ordered bigger sizes anticipating they'd be gone, and they're all gone. So, <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. Well, we'll get out of here for this week. Appreciate you, Husey. Go watch this interview. I'll drop the link in the, uh, the Twitter uh, promotion for this. Uh, our thanks to the OVP podcast, the Our Vantage Point podcast that is uh posting footage that's not theirs on their uh youtube channel but appreciate us giving uh, giving me some content this week so for everybody who's listening we'll catch you on the flip side thanks for listening to the two-man power trip of wrestling what the world is downloading